What a glorious hymn as we have this privilege of looking to our Lord Jesus Christ as the one who is really our all and all. Let us turn in God's word to Acts chapter 6. And our purpose with looking at these words is to not so much see the initiation of what we call the, the diaconate as an office in Christ's church, but to see these great principles that are there before us. And I believe there's a sense in which the diaconal service and revival, they're tied together in a beautiful way in this passage. That is how God blesses his church as each member does its part, working together as the very body of Christ. So we read from Acts chapter 6, these first seven verses, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews, among them, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procorporus, Nicanor, Timon, Parthenus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And then notice this connection. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. There is that sense, it would seem, even in this diaconal service and those who cared for these important things, a tie with that which we would speak of in our terminology of revival. There was even these priests who had made fun of and mocked and rejected it all, priests that are coming to know the Lord. And so as we come to this this, uh, amazing moment in the life of Cornerstone, the laying the hands upon these two new deacons, it's important for us to realize that Christ's church has established the overseers, as Philippians 1 speaks with such clarity of the two offices, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, with the overseers, the elders, those who had the rule and the teaching and word of God, and the deacons. And so the principles of this very diaconate, I think, are laid down in Acts chapter 6. Something here, it speaks of men, men, chosen, yes, that are described being full of the Spirit and wisdom, or Stephen, as he's described, full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we think here are all the requirements, and here, you know, what are the hoops that someone has to jump through to become an elder or a deacon? 
But what we have here really, there's something that underlies all of this, that these were truly spiritual men, full of the Spirit, full of faith. There was something of the reality of God's very presence there in their lives. And so when we come to this very holy time uh, as a church gathered here this morning, we are thankful for those that God has given us as deacons through the years, many who have served with such faithfulness, those who have served as elders in the past even. We honor them. We are thankful for all who served here. We have uh, deacons now, Tom Hall, who has served in a very faithful way through the years, and as we see the, all the projects that are going on, he's giving oversight to those. We have uh, Michael Lowry, who's giving that oversight and wisdom and background, caring for the business aspects as treasurer here at the church. Uh, Merle Miller is a businessman, concerns and oversight to different elements that take place within uh, our body as God's people here. Bob Knights, as some of you who help with the grounds know, on a re- weekly basis, there's a group gather, and he gives that direction to them and works together with them. How thankful we are. When we read those requirements at the end of, of chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, turn with me there. It has a, a verse towards the end that we should probably notice. Uh, those who have served faithfully, it speaks, verse 13, I believe it is. A deacon must be, let's see, is it verse? Yes, verse 13 of chapter 3 of 1 Timothy. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith of Christ Jesus. We are thankful for Dean Skalberg, who has served, and his his plan is to continue helping, though he won't be part of the body as an officer as a deacon, but he continues his desires to continue working with as he has, helping uh, widows and helping the needy. He's just amazing, even taking his one day off and using that day to help and care for others at Cornerstone. And then when we think of Tommy Ardilis, Dr. Ardilis, all of his help through the years uh, as he and his family will be moving to Dallas, Texas, which uh, seems an awfully far away for for a, a grandfather and grandchildren and things of that nature, there is a great love for, for them and how God has used Tommy in our midst, uh, not only caring for people, but I think in a beautiful way with the music, uh, his, our grandsons helping out through those years and developing a, a, a sense of singing and, and the joy in the Lord. How thankful we are for those who have served faithfully here as servants deacons. And uh, so when we come this morning to have two new men serve as deacons, Rick Holman and uh, Ryan Olmstead, it is uh, an amazing moment for us to think of having this privilege of these two faithful men. If you notice the passage that is before us there, it speaks of men who are proven or tested, that is in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it speaks of those who are to be tested, proven. They have these requirements, but there's a sense of, 
of really seeing who they are to be examined. And as we would see, uh, a Rick Holman is someone that has cared for people, really connections with Cornerstone that doesn't go back just a few years, but decades, really, connections with us as a church and helping us and being part of that body of caring for people. And uh, even, I think, uh, difficult moments, he has been one who has faithfully heard the word of the Lord Christ and under that word as authority, and we're thankful. We see the projects right now that the church has been involved in. Rick Holman has been key in all these projects, and uh, certainly I'm not sure a whole lot gets done very well without his help meet Debbie. And there is that beautiful working together uh, in that servant working. And then Ryan Olmsted, when we pause, uh, I guess you could ask Ryan afterwards how old he is, and that's about how far he goes back exactly to his being part of Cornerstone. I think he became part of Cornerstone in the womb. So uh, it goes back quite a ways for him. And uh, I often think of Ryan as one who... uh, he was really here when, uh, you know, people think of someone who's been here in the thick and thin of things. Ryan's been here when it's been thin and thinner and thinnest. He has been uh, faithfully part of Cornerstone and caring for people. Um, I don't know how many of you know, but Ryan's uh, work is that of uh, working with special needs children. And uh, different times I've been here on the evening when parents of those special needs children would not just fill up this whole building here, but the whole parking lot is full of people. And uh, uh, to see what he does with those children and caring for them uh, is a beautiful thing. I have sat in some of the classes that he has taught um, in the back, uh, even with just one young lady, and uh, couldn't hold back the tears to see how he cares and works with and has this gift. I think if people in a wide way would know the work he has done through the years, he would be teacher of Arizona of the decade and really has a a gift of love for these needy children and an outreach to the needy. So I see ourselves as cornerstone, just uh, what uh, an amazing moment for us to have those who are tested and true to serve as deacons here. Both these men hold fast, as uh, 1 Timothy 3 speaks of this, to hold fast to the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience, 1 Timothy 3, 9. Both men show that humility to love and work, work with others. They're not lone rangers that, you know, you give some to them and they're just off on their own doing their ministry, but they're those who work together with others and have a concern working together as God's people. And there's a beauty to that as First uh, Timothy 3.10 says that they're to be tested, examined, proven. And then verse 10 says, let them serve as deacons. And it's speaking there that office, that special place of giving Yes, that work in a special way to them. And uh, as it speaks of there of how in Acts chapter 6 they prayed and laid hands on them. 
in order to serve in this special office. There was a commissioning, a prayer, a laying hands upon them, and uh, to wait on the tables, it says, to look after widows and the needs of the body of Christ, to care for God's people, to see these needs to be met. Acts chapter 6 speaks of that in a very clear way. Then it says, in a beautiful sense, it says, large numbers of priests became obedient to the faith. That was an impossibility without, yes, the Holy Spirit. We, we're strong in the work of the Holy Spirit. If anyone is going to become a Christian, it's what God does. But at the same time, he uses means so that those who had the responsibility of giving oversight to the church and caring for the whole body by teaching the word and giving themselves to prayer, they were able to do that. And what came about was the conversion of the most unlikely people that you could find to come to faith in this Messiah, Jesus Christ. So there is, I believe, that tie together with the importance of the work of the whole body, with the deacons giving oversight to that in one sense in a beautiful way. God ties together that of the diaconal service and revival. There's something very much the means to that end, so that those who have the responsibility of oversight in that big way give themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word of God. Very important. Then it speaks there in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, the spread of the word, the number of disciples spread. To think of how the gospel is to get to the nations is an impossibility without our seeing the elders, the pastors, giving themselves to prayer, giving themselves to the ministry of the word of God. Satan bombards us with distractions, preoccupied with anything to keep us from spreading the word and giving ourselves to prayer. The deacons have a great, important responsibility. Their very work is connected with seeing revival in Christ's church. You know, sometimes we so emphasize the, the uh, what do we call, consecutive expository preaching, and I believe that's beautiful. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was kind of considered to be the father of what we call expository, consecutive expository preaching from books of Scripture chapter by chapter and going through those great series. But sometimes it's forgotten that it was Sunday morning that he did that or a Friday evening. But Sunday evening, he took great pain, great diligence to choose great evangelistic texts to preach the gospel. And he was involved with how can the gospel go to the nations? The gospel is what needs to go to our nation. And so I believe we have a great need. The great need of our time is to fulfill the great commission and see revival in our own midst so that the nations can, as John Piper puts it, so the nations can be glad. So the nations can be glad to have the word of God go to them. Not just 
somehow or another we'd be a mutual admiration society together here and love each other. But loving each other, others would then know that Jesus Christ has been sent by the Father. And that would go all the way to the nations. As Habakkuk says, for the earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. It's a great responsibility that the deacons have to so take care of things that others would give themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word of God. Each part of the body has work to do. Pastors, elders are to give themselves to be men of prayer and spread the word and revival comes as we all do our work together. But then, where do we find this really great pattern? Where do we find that one who is truly, what can we say, the deacon? I think if we would sit down with each of our deacons over these last years, they would all speak of how they have failed in different ways. Because when we're all honest before God and the people, we all are insufficient for this work. And yet we can all look to one that the scripture says in Mark 10, 45, the son of man, even the son of man came not to be deaconed unto, that is to be served, but to deacon, to, yes, serve. So that what? It speaks of that he came to give his life a ransom for many. That very word translated to serve is the word where we get our word deacon. He came not to be served or deaconed unto, but to deacon and give his life a ransom for many. It's the great pattern that's given to us we find in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who brings revival. He is the one who is God's great servant and who can tell the gospel to the nations. There's redemption in him. We come this morning, and I think of how easy it is that we think if only we could have a Christian president or if we could have a Christian senate a house of representatives. Oh, wow, if we could have these things, we would really have it all together. But you know, if you read the scriptures, <laughs> it's almost like God enjoys using the unimportant, the insignificant things. Cornerstone. <laughs> Who are we? We don't, e- we don't even appear on the map. But God is at work. My Probably favorite story, I guess there's a couple others I like too, of the Old Testament is that story of Naaman. Second Kings chapter 5, it starts out with this great commander of the army. He has it in with the king. The king really likes Naaman. And he has all his greatness, he has leprosy. And somehow another word gets to him that there's help in Israel. And so what happens? The king of the Syrians, they give him this great letter. And with that, they send with him, 
I think if we have a couple of mathematicians here, they could convert the shekels and all this and the 150 pounds of gold into what it would be worth today and the, I forget how many pounds of silver and all the other things, put it all together and it's probably four or five million dollars. He's on his way to get healing with a letter to the king of Israel and he's got plenty of gold and silver. He gets there and the king thinks, whoa, you're saying I can heal? He's trying to pick a fight with me, the king of Assyria, of the Syrian king. He says, you know, this is a problem. Somehow or another, as that king tears his clothes and does everything, he's in pain over what's going to happen to him. A guy named Elisha gets word and says, just send him to me. You remember the story. What an amazing story. He arrives, and of course, with all of his stuff, entourage, chariots. I would think, oh, uh, Elisha didn't have a big mansion. It wasn't a big place. He arrives, and probably chariots are all lined up here, there, and yon, and all the importance of the entourage, and, and uh, he's waiting for, even as he says later, that uh, this prophet would come out, wave his arms over him, pray a great prayer, touch his place where he's got the leprosy, and, and wow, this would be quite an event. What Elisha do? He just sent a messenger, said, I always remember this from my high school days. Naaman thought, but he thought wrong. We've got better rivers than these. At least there you could get clean. This dirty Jordan. Why in the world would I ever go to that river? And what takes place? He storms off, mad as a hornet. And he's going another direction. And of course, A, some wiser people say, if it would have been something really difficult, you would have done it. Why don't you just try it? He washed, immersed himself seven times, and he comes out clean. You know the rest of the story. But if you read the very first part, it all has to do with what we call in Spanish, a muchachita, a little insignificant maid. She was captured by the Assyrian army. The, Assyri the Assyrian army captured her, brought her back as a captive. We don't even have her name. Who was she? But she was the one who said, there's a prophet. He can heal you. Go and hear the word of God. And there we find, in the insignificance of a muchacha, a muchachita, a little maid, insignificant, without a name, she's a key to all of these great international things that are going on. Go to hear the word of God, and you'll find healing. And God, in his grace, in a wonderful way, used her. In our own lives, some of the most amazing things of our own lives have been those who have been insignificant. In fact, I still remember many, many years ago when we helped start a church in Bogota, Colombia, some of the very first ones to be baptized were two maids that I discipled. One had been a maid for 30 years with a general of the Colombian army. And as we read through the scriptures, her true faith in Christ, insignificant, 
but one of the first who came to faith in Christ, and now there's some four churches there, sister churches, a Christian school, and Lolita, in many ways, was key in those beginning days. God uses insignificant people. And having said that, sometimes those insignificant people go through a great deal of pain and difficulty. Think of that girl captured, taken to a foreign land, never to see her family again. Yet God had a purpose. His plan we can't rush and we can't question in one sense it's a plan that is perfect and his will will be done as we look to him. And yet I would believe there's a warning for us this morning. The king of Israel didn't know that word of God in his own heart and life. He wasn't able to distinguish even though he was part of Israel just as people can have their name on the roll here at Cornerstone and never have a real thirst and hunger and connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. No thirst. They may even profess all the right things. Theologically, it's all good. But they're without that real knowledge of the Lord. We have this hymn that we'll sing the church is one foundation, is Jesus Christ her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her he died. We are his. And in one sense, all of us are deacons. We are all servants of Christ. We belong to him. We are like that muchachita, that little maid that was key to everything. We read again, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, to be deaconed unto, but to serve, to deacon, and to give his life as a ransom for many. What a momentous moment to pray over two men who have been tested, proven, and who hold to the deep things of Christ. To hold to that wonderful faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow before the Lord and ask for his blessing upon this time. Even as we think of Holy Communion, the Lord calls all of us who name his name to renew afresh our being servants, deacons, to give our lives in service to Christ and his church. Let us pray together. Our Father, there is a, a wonder and awe that you have in a special way, called us to be your church and that we belong to you. We do believe that revival, power, comes from the words of your Son, the everlasting great deacon, one who is greater than all who have gone before, one who is with healing greater than Elisha. 
our servant, deacon, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, we pray that you'd give us ears this morning to hear his word, that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the privilege that is ours to have the title Servants of the King of Glory, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do believe there is no higher title than to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, O Lord, you touch all of our hearts as we have this time of of laying laying our hands upon Rick and Ryan. We pray, O God, that you would touch our hearts to be servants that belong to Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.